right, Mitch Amons is back. Mitch, welcome back to the show, my man. Thank you. Glad to be here. So it's been a while. So you were on the show a couple years ago, and then I think it was last year. I uh, excuse me, I reran the episode because mm-hmm. it was such a good one, and I wanted to get it back out there for people who are new to the show or who hadn't heard it. So I'll put the um, the links to those podcasts in the show notes so people can go back and listen to that. And I wanted to preface that uh, preface the episode by saying that because we're not going to dive into all of Mitch's running background and you know it, basically his whole life story because it's extremely compelling. It's incredibly rich, and I think it's worthwhile for everybody to hear it. With that said, um, we're not going to do that here because we have new stuff to talk about, which is which is really fun. So before we get into that, before we get into that though, would you mind just give people like the one minute condensed version of like how you got into running and while it was maybe not like the the classic way that someone who just qualified for the olympic trials and the marathon would normally get into running sure yeah um uh real quick one minute um summary i uh i ran a little bit in high school i was decent um i wasn't good by any means but i i also didn't really try um fast forward you know, 15 or so years, um, I got into heavy into addiction with drugs and alcohol, mostly drugs and uh, pretty hard drugs there towards the end. Uh, well, m- most of the time, um, heroin, crystal meth. Uh, but I got sober in uh, in 2015 and um, was on the way to changing everything about myself. And it was I realized it was time to uh, start a fitness journey. Um, from there, I joined a local run club here in Austin and um, a year later ran my first marathon, uh, fell in love, and I've been going since. It's been five years now. Uh, and I just, um, in December, last December, qualified for the Olympic marathon team trials, uh, 216.48. And um, yeah, uh, that's, that's the summary. We're done. Thanks for coming yeah. on the show. No. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> but what an incredible thing. People are, people are like, wow, that's a lot. And you're right. That is a lot. If that's what you're thinking, because it is an incredible journey and one that, um, again, you detailed in a previous episode. We're not going to dive into that. We're going to do mm-hmm. much more recent stuff the last year or two, because basically where we're going to pick up is, you know, last time we last time we talked, you were an incredibly fast person. You were incredibly fit. You were running amazing times. At the same time, you weren't like, you know, sometimes we've had like Peter Bromk has been on the show and some other mm-hmm. people too, like on the women's side who've kind of like been hovering around OTQ zone for a number of years and just trying mm. to get that last little 0.1% to kind of get them over the edge. Last time we talked, you were incredibly fast, but you weren't in that zone. Right. So, no, I, I was not. <laughs> yeah. So for you, looking back, like in the, again, in the, in, the, in the interim years here, what were some of the drivers to take your running and your fitness and, and your goals from, hey, I just want to keep getting better to like, hey, I want to be in the 230 range to all of a sudden look at the OTQ process as actually, you know what, this is the goal now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say um, a year and a half into running, I ran a 107 half marathon. Um, that was the point where my coach and I were like, the trials are a possibility and it wasn't necessarily the 107 but it was the uh the rate at which i had improved um in the last year and a half and so that was like 
you know, hypothesizing that if I were to keep up on this um, same track that I would, I could possibly um, have a chance at qualifying for the trials. Um, the last time we talked, I think I had, I had a belief that, you know, because I was trying, I was trying to qualify in the last uh, Olympic trials, Olympic cycle. Um, looking back now, standing here in hindsight, I was nowhere close. Uh, I, but at the same time, like you've got to believe in those hefty, unreachable goals because what else are you going to work towards? I mean, if you have a goal that's not, that's easily reached, then, then what's the point of working hard for something? And so, uh, three, three years ago, I put it in my mind that I could do it and I've worked hard since, and, uh, I finally did it. So let's take me back to February, 2020, uh, the trials are in Atlanta, right? Something mm-hmm. that you wanted to be at. Uh, mm-hmm. but you know, like, as you just mentioned, like you were, you were, that was your goal, but you weren't exactly on the precipice, um, of that when you were like, did, did you watch the trials? Like what were, just, what was the thought process about like the trials that day and, and how you, how you took it in from afar? I, uh, well, I didn't take it in from too far because I was there along the course watching. Um, oh, were you really? Oh, oh yeah. I wouldn't have missed that. That was it it was maybe a year after I had gotten, I had really started following professional distance running. And so that was like the Super Bowl, of course, of, of marathons. And uh, man, I wouldn't have missed it. And it was probably, if not the cool, one of the coolest, if not the coolest um, races that I've seen. Um, you know, every, every pro that are, that I am, you know, their biggest fan was there. I got to watch all of them race. Um, it was a very challenging course. So you asked, how did I feel ab- about not being in it? Well, of course, I would have loved to be a part of it. But man, I, some of those hills and that wind and how cold it was, I was feeling for them because it was a, a rough day out there. That's right. And, actually, I, and I had met you exactly like one month prior to that. I met you at Houston uh, uh-huh. at the Expo, You know, right. if you remember that. Yeah, I do, actually yeah. met the same. And actually, an hour later, I had... Um, like it seemed like a two hour conversation with Jeff Cunningham like, uh-huh. right after that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, so you were there, you got to witness it. Obviously it was fun. Did you view that that day as um, inspiring or was it kind of like, Oh, I missed out. I know sometimes we're face to face with something that we work towards. It, it can go in either direction. Um, I was definitely inspired. I was not bummed out because I knew I tried my hardest. I gave two attempts to qualify uh, October at California and then CIM in December. Um, October in, at, in Chicago, I ran 223 and it was probably the best race of my life at that time. And then uh, turn around, jump back into training. I went out at uh, the, the qualifying pace and I held on for maybe half. Uh, I, I fell apart halfway, maybe a little over halfway. Um, but I know that I did everything I could. That buildup and the race in Chicago was about as perfect as it could have been. I don't think I, there was nothing I could have done in that short amount of time to change how I was going to race. Um, so I just wasn't there. And I was okay with that because I know I tried my hardest. Um, and I was inspired to go at it again uh, over the next four years. Yeah, and it seemed like during the um, the COVID era, uh, and you're you're down in Austin. It seemed like you, you know, were itching to like be to stay a part of the community, 
Right. Mm-hmm. They know there's a really strong running community in Austin. And obviously, especially the first six to nine months of the pandemic, it, there was so much uncertainty about what was going on. And, and it, was, it was tough at the same time. Like you're a social guy. You want to be around people. And it seemed like you were kind of like itching to be, be to keep that running community feel in a situation where it was really difficult to do that. Would you mind describing just what that was like for you as someone who has had big goals and had this community connection, but wasn't able to really kind of have that in your life at the same way you had been used to having it? Yeah, uh, that's interesting because um, I think the pandemic, uh, the, the COVID times were, was my turning point. I, um, it, it, it really went one of two ways for runners. Um, either they took a whole bunch of time off and didn't do a whole lot, or they hit it really hard extra because of having extra time on their hands. And, and that's what I did. I, uh, I completely, um, focused on running at that point. I had, I still had a job, but it was very part-time. Everything had slowed down, um, for the, the time that really nobody was working or doing anything, I was out training. Um, I trained, and then as soon as there was even a glimpse of of races getting back on the calendar, I went up to New York City in order to get into some races. I tried was to Was that the that Trials of Miles? It was, I did a few of the Trials of Miles races, yes, a couple track races up there. Um, I did a virtual race, and then I did two actually in-person races up there, and they were so cool. Um, I had never done a track race uh, aside from the high school mile, um, ever. And it was so much fun. I love racing on the track. Do you think your ability to handle the uncertainty around COVID and all of that, um, was, I guess, did you, were you able to take from the lessons from recovery and the uncertainty around recovery and training through that and kind of transpose and use those same skills during the COVID era where maybe some people were like, hey, this is new to me. I don't know what to do. The uncertainty and the drama and so on and so forth were like you to a degree in a very different way. But maybe in some respects, we're kind of living that same sort of situation for for years at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 really interesting how so many things from my recovery apply to my training and then vice versa. So many things from marathon training specifically apply to my recovery and even my everyday life. Um, I'll give an example, uh, just following up on what you said. Yeah, there was uncertainty, but you know, life is full of uncertainties. Uh, I'm going to keep going with what I enjoy doing. Um, at that time was training. I loved training. And I mean, you know, I don't, love easy runs. Uh, I do those more so like a chore because it's required to be successful, but I love workouts and I love racing. And I knew that if I were to do the best I could, and it's not like anything I was doing, even knowing that there might not be a race for a year or two years, like who know who knew at that point, I knew that everything I was doing would be useful to me one day, whether I got to use the fitness that I had gained in that time to race then or a year or two or three years down the road everything we do now will have an a a huge effect on a training block later you know once you've done the training that that doesn't go away you know you you may get out of shape but um you've always got that in your legs you've got that training block in your legs so the next time it's much easier to pick up where you left off um and so i knew that i had some ground to make up uh on 
my peers who have been running for a decade uh, were great college runners. I had some, I had some catching up to do, and so I I used that time to really um, focus on catching up and just learning. I had to learn a lot. I had to learn how to race, um, and that really just comes with practice. You you obviously had like a long range perspective on this. You had a long range goal. You're able to kind of combine those things and certainly made the most of it. Were there any significant changes? Uh, during this, say, like the last year, year and a half or so from previous training cycles? Or did it just kind of build upon um, each year and kind of more of an evolutionary process? Um, That's a great question. Uh, Definitely, we did something completely different this go around. Um, While everything I think we have done in previous training blocks had a place and a need at the time, we figured out what my weaknesses were and honestly the things that I hated doing and we did them and we did them every other week. Uh, in previous training blocks, we had really focused on a lot of interval training, um, K's, one, uh, two K's on the track, um, up to mile to two mile repeats, uh, 5K repeats. But this time we really focused on the long sustained tempo efforts, um, six, eight mile tempos, we did a few uh, 11 mile tempos. Um, then my biggest and what, what now I will call my indicator workout is um, 10 miles easy and then throw the flats on real quickly, hop right back in, um, and then 11 miles at marathon pace minus five seconds. Um, before that workout, I said, I told my coach, I said, there's there's no way I can do this. There, you're, and I told him that and in my head, I'm like, this guy is nuts, he's gonna kill me. Um, <laughs> I thought that there was, because in previous training blocks, the most we'd ever done was like six miles at marathon pace. That And it was a struggle. It was always hard. Marathon pace is, is hard for me. Um, this previous training block, we had done so many six, eight mile tempos with, you know, 800s afterwards, four by 800 afterwards, just to get a little speed in. Um, I was ready for that, uh, that big key workout and I nailed it. I think I averaged... Um, and it was like 508 pace for the uh, the tempo portion of it. And I knew then that this was possible. Uh, that workout really boosted my confidence. Um, I was I was ready to give it a shot. And um, now that I know what I ran in the marathon based off of doing that workout, I think it was three weeks out or something, four weeks out. I'll know now that if I can average five seconds below marathon pace for... 11 miles after a 10 mile run, then I can run that in the marathon. Man, that is great. All right. So thank you for being so open and honest about your training. I'd love to drill down into some of this stuff. So the six to eight mile, um, tempo periods. And I think for, for a lot of people, if you, if we think about that in terms of, actually, no, let me ask you a question then. If mm-hmm. when you're doing that, what kind of paces were you running and how would you characterize them? So say you did like, you know, were they like, again, the pace number, and then is that half marathon effort? Is that threshold pace? Like, how would you characterize some of this work? Um, Typically, we'd be shooting for marathon pace uh, or a little bit below, but I am, I, and this is sort of my downfall, but I also think it makes me a good racer, is that I, ra- I tend to race workouts. I, and I know that you're um, not supposed to uh, run to failure uh, often, but I do it pretty often. I, um, I close my last mile pretty much all out. And um, so back to your question, we would aim for marathon pace and I would do the first mile right around or maybe a little above marathon pace and I would just start cranking down. So by 
by the fifth mile, I'm significantly under marathon pace. And then probably the seventh and eighth mile, I'm, I'm cruising well under five minute pace, uh, into maybe even like the four, four thirties, four forties. Um, and I, I think that that helps me because I hurt real bad, almost every big workout because I really take it to the well. Um, it, I, it's kind of a controversial, uh, way to train, but it has worked for me so far. I haven't been injured, knock on wood. Um, so I'm going to keep doing it until, until I have some sort of consequence and I've got to kind of pull back a little bit. Well, you bring up a good point, right? Like it's maybe not what you would write like in a training manual for like no. the general population, Mm-mm. but you know, there's exceptions to the rule, right? And it's like if somebody genetically or because of the other work they're doing can handle that sort of thing, then it works for them, but it just might not be like, Hey, you're listening to this, go do the Mitch Amons workout. Like it mm-hmm. might not work for you, but, no, that's a part, but that's a benefit of like learning from your experiences and having a coach and pushing the envelope a little bit and, and seeing what you can do. Uh-huh. I, I don't recommend it. Um, I also have a little bit of an advantage that, um, I, and this is kind of a, a thing that I say, I'm young in running years. Uh, I th- I'm 33 years old, but I've only been running for five years. I don't have a decade under my belt on my belt of, um, hard workouts, tons of miles. So in that aspect, I'm fresh. Uh, I do a lot of weight training. And I only think that's the reason that I have not been injured from the way that I I do workouts. Now, if you were doing these workouts, kind of like the whole cycle, when you think about marathon pace, is that identified or is that more like marathon effort? Because obviously if you're like three months out from a marathon, it's hard to know like what marathon pace is because you're just kind of like getting into it necessarily, or Mm -hmm. you don't know what you're going to run on race day. So when you think about marathon pace slash marathon effort, how does that feel for you just in terms of like your breathing or your cadence, your energy Mm -hmm. level? How would you describe that? So this was a little bit of a unique um, training block because I knew my goal, exactly what my goal marathon pace, because it was the pace that I had to run to qualify for the trials. It was the, (laughs) yeah, it was the slowest I could possibly run in order to get under that, uh, 218 mark. So 217.59, I think it's like 515 pace. So through the whole training block, we called marathon pace 515, marathon effort 515, 515 is all day. Um, yeah, so it was, and, and moving forward, I don't really know. I mean, I, I'll have a goal marathon pace, but it can fluctuate because um, now that we're kind of down below 220, um, taking off, I, I think the days of taking off three, four, five minutes at a time is over. Um, you know, I'll be happy now to knock off 30 seconds. I'll be, I'll, I'll be ecstatic to knock off 30 seconds on my marathon time. Well, who's to say, right? Uh, you yeah, think that right. you say like, hey, if you're under 230, it might be hard to take three or four minutes off at a yeah, time. Oh, yeah, you just yeah. did that. You're right. You're right. That's that's true. Um, uh, but again, I, I'm, just, I'm just trying to be your hype man. I guess. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> but but this is this is really exciting. So yeah, because that's um that is one of those things where oftentimes people say like, hey, here's my goal marathon pace, right? And sometimes uh-huh. it can be so subjective because like, well, what did you base that on? Obviously, when you have something where it's like you're trying to BQ or OTQ or there's uh, for some people, maybe it's just like a big round number, right? Like it's breaking four hours. Right. So it's mm-hmm. like, I want to hit. So that means I'm running nine minute pace. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to break four hours. Right. So oh, yeah. that, that people can get into that mode. Of course you were kind of hovering around that ro- that mode as well. When you're going through this, obviously you have a big goal. Can you describe your relationship with your coach and the interplay there in terms of how you guys have worked together um, to go after this? All right, everybody, I want to take a quick break and give a shout out to Lagoon. Oh my gosh, they are amazing. This year, I'm really trying to take better care of myself. 
both before and after my runs. And one of the areas that I'm really focusing on is sleep. And not just about the time you the time you spend in bed. Obviously, that's important, but also making sure you have quality and not just quantity. And that's a big thing, right? We talk about all the time with training, quantity and quality. Same thing with sleep. And part of that is your pillow. I have the Fox pillow. That was the one that I got after taking the online quiz, which was really interesting to take. You, you figure out like, what, what exactly do I need? What do I need my pillow for? How do I sleep? What are my preferences? And it makes a big difference. And this is a pillow I've had for over a month now. It's coincided with my biggest 30 days of training that I've ever had. And I feel really, really good. And I know a big reason for that is because of how I'm sleeping and how I'm sleeping is affected by my pillow and things are just going so well for me. Waking up from my morning runs has never felt better. I'm refreshed. I'm pain-free in large part thanks to Lagoon Pillow. So go to lagoonsleep.com. That's L-A-G-O-O-N sleep.com forward slash rambling. Take their awesome two-minute sleep quiz to find your match and then use code rambling for 15% off your first purchase today. Man, um, I'm more grateful for this guy, uh, Jeff Cunningham, than most. I mean, he has just been so inspiring, my biggest fan, my biggest cheerleader, and he gets extremely scientific with it. Um, And then this is the biggest... uh, the biggest asset I think that he gives me is that I trust him completely. He has never given me a workout I couldn't do. Uh, even when going into the workout, I, I think to myself, there's no possible way I can do this workout. Um, never, I've never not been able to hit the workouts that he's given me. Uh, on the flip side, I have also, or not flip side, on kind of building on that, He's, I've never lined up on a, I've never, I've always lined up on a starting line healthy and I've always lined up, um, the race morning and he'll tell me, Hey, go out and run five minute pace. You can do that. You're going to run one Oh five, go out and run four fifty five pace. You're going to run one Oh four. Um, and I, I've every single time it's, it's worked out. Uh, there has not been one single exception. So because of all that, I, I trust him hundred percent. If he tells me to do something, I don't ask questions. I may think he's crazy in my head, but I go out and do it. I'll, I will kill myself trying to do what he says I can do because I know I can. If it hurts almost seemingly too much, I know that it's in my head and I can push through it because he knows me very well. We've been working together for four and a half years now. Uh, we've been through a whole lot, um, ups and downs. Um, he's, he's just been the greatest thing that I could have ever had in this uh, running journey. Is what you think you're capable of, has that changed at all in the last two years or how has that shifted? Because now you're at the point where like the dog caught the car, right? You see the dog like running down the yeah. street, going after the car, like you caught the car. Uh, yeah. And now yeah. what, right? So how, how have you approached this idea of like, all right, I had this big goal. I worked really hard. I worked so super hard physically, mentally, emotionally. I was completely invested and I got it. Uh-huh. Now what? What do I do with this? <laughs> so I have two sides. I have two sides to this. One, um, I, I look back at that marathon and I just wonder every day, how in the heck did I do that? Um, thinking I, I did it and I still, it blows my mind. I look back and I'm like, how did I run 26 miles in, in 513 pace? Uh, it seems completely unachievable, even though I've already done it. Um, on the other hand, um, I, I just trust, I trust my coach and I trust the training. Um, I don't know 
where my plateau is going to be, whether um, it's here, whether 216 is the best it's going to get, or if 213, 210 is going to be the best it's going to get. I don't know, but I, I do know I'll show up every day and work my hardest. Um, and between my coach and I, we'll know uh, going into the next race what I'm going to run. And it could be great or it could be, you know, about the same. Uh, I enjoy it, so I'm just going to keep doing it. You mentioned before that you you love to race and that that's an mm. element that you want to keep practicing and, get, and getting better at. Obviously, when you're chasing down an OTQ, you're at a race, but it's mm -hmm. also a time trial, yeah. right? It's like, here's the time. I want to do it. There's other people on the course at the same time as me, but I'm, mm -hmm. I have, you know, goal A isn't connected to these other people. No. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's almost like they're helping you in a sense, mm -hmm. get uh, your absolutely. goal, oh, yeah. you know, as opposed to like, you're like trying to get something at their expense. So right. now that you have this goal, can you envision yourself getting to the point where you're entering a marathon where you're like, Hey, my goal is to to just win this race. I don't care mm -hmm. what the time is. I'm just, I'm here. I'm here to win. I'm going to race to win. I might do a surge here. I might do a surge there. And maybe like that may lower my time, but it might improve my chances of winning this bad boy. Yeah. Yes. I, um, it's extremely exciting to know that I'm no longer racing for a time. Um, until December, uh, marathons were a race against the clock. It was the people didn't matter. Um, uh, like you said, we were working together. Our OTQ uh, pace group at CIM, we were working together. We 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 wanted it together. We were encouraging each other. Um, it was definitely a, a we were a team working together to achieve this goal. Um, it was a lot of fun. Um, let's uh, n now that I have achieved that goal to get the qualifying time. I get to go race for place and that is fun. I did a half marathon in uh, end of January and my only goal was to win. I didn't win, I got second, um, but man, it was a dog fight from the start. Me and this other guy uh, were battling it out from the start and it was so much fun. Um, I would put in a surge, he would put in a surge, I'd put some distance on him, he would catch back up, he would put a surge, I'd, I would try and hang on, he got me in the last, mile ish maybe two miles up a hill he's a he's a world-class mountain runner um and uh yeah it, it is way more fun to be able to race for place rather than time can you see yourself doing more track stuff this summer i mean you mentioned you you loved doing it and there's there's another trials as well right you qualify for the olympic trials and marathon is it like hey can i qualify yeah. for the track trials in the 10k like are there other trials goals in, in uh, ahead Man, I, I wish. Um, the track trials are a whole nother ballgame. Um, <laughs> the times that the guys on the track run are just, uh, you know, maybe if I was 10 years, 10 or five years younger, maybe. Um, I think I've got the, I think I've got the talent to do it. Um, I just don't know if, if I can ever be that fast. Um, I would love to take part in some track races uh, this this summer and this fall. That would be ideal. Um, unfortunately, there's not too many around Texas. It's also so hard to train. I mean, it's definitely doable. It's just hard to train during the Texas summers. And then on mm -hmm. the other hand, it's hard to race in the Texas summers. I'd have to go out to, to Portland Track Fest or um, one of those races I know Sound Running does some great races. Trials of Miles does some great races. Um, I'll definitely um, entertain that idea uh, here in the next few months. But um, I, I, you know, the roads are great. The roads are fun. Um, but I am open to looking into some track races. 
So what does oh, – this way. Did your potential 2023 calendar shift once you qualify for the trials at CIM? Like, did you have a like a plan of what 2023 would look like if you didn't get it versus mm. if you did get it? Like, what 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 is that hmm. done to your potential schedule? Man, uh, I, of course, I, I I'm sure I'm not alone in this, but I had my backup races. I knew if I didn't get it at CIM, I'd have a backup marathon in the spring, and then probably CIM again late fall, early winter. Um, and it was going to be the only focus of my training was to hit that marathon qualifying time. Uh, yes, the answer is yes. Now, it's like what, you know, 25K champs, I've got a time that can get me into races, you know, into the elite field in, in most races. Um, and that's going to be so much fun because I've never had that. I've never had the accommodations that the elites have. And I'm very excited for that. Um it, my schedule, it's kind of up in the air right now. We're looking into it. I took two, I took a week off after the marathon. And then I took a week running, you know, twice, two times that week. And then I sort of got back into training. And then I had a solid month of training for this half marathon in January. Um, after that race, I took two weeks off, um, mostly because I had, uh, I, I was a little mentally burnt out just from, you know, I, I trained hard all through the summer um, and then hopped into marathon training. And then I, I did a little surprise marathon in uh, September. I did Berlin. I was out there pacing one of the uh, American females. Um, and that, it was a lot. It was a lot to do that Berlin marathon, turn around, come back in town, get right back into training and then uh, go out and race the marathon. Um, one of some... the American females. Can we, can we identify this unknown runner? <laughs> Yeah, it was uh, it was Cara D'Amato. Of course, it was. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and let me tell you, that was probably not even. I, I won't even um, uh, I categorize it as my coolest running experience. That was probably one of my coolest experiences ever. Um, Kira and her family are just the coolest people. Um, but getting to go to Berlin to run one of my dream races, Berlin Marathon, and to get to run it with Kira and then a good friend of mine. Um, Cal Neff was just a dream come true. And when they called and said, Hey, are you, are you available in two weeks to go do the Berlin marathon? I was like, uh, without a doubt. Yes, there's, there's no way I'm going to, there's nothing. I was willing to sabotage my training for CIM, which <laughs> oh my God. I very well knew I might be doing, uh, to go run that with, with Kira and Cal. It was, uh, it was a once in a lifetime opportunity and it was so much fun. Oh my God. You're right. They're, this is an incredible family. I mean, the Richmond marathon happened this year and like, oh, the year yeah. before I was down there, I, I did some fun stuff with them. We'd like made posters for the race and all of this stuff. And, um, and it was either her mother or her mother-in-law was, was there with us. And it was, it was a great night. It was super fun. And like, uh-huh. I got a, I got a DM from again, this, the same woman. It was either her mother or her mother-in-law. And I, and I apologize. If you're listening to the show, I feel really bad. Um, uh-huh. Send me a DM the day of the Richmond. She goes, Hey, wish you were down here. We missed you. I was oh. like, this woman met me once in my entire life and thought to do that. I was like, talk about incredibly nice. Um, I wanted mo- to bring, I wanted well, to her, sure- her mother and mother-in-law were both there and just coolest people. I mean, they yeah. were so nice and accepting and just, you know, took me in as, as a part of the crew. And it was just such a great experience. But go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no, I wanted to bring her up because um, 
again, you guys have very different running backgrounds. Kira was one of the best high school runners in the country, was one of the best college runners in the country, and then went went and ran pro after college before taking a long hiatus and then getting back into it. And a lot of people know the Kira DeMondo story. Obviously, mm-hmm. you didn't have that first part. Her first part to running was not like your first part. The second part, however, in terms of getting back into it and really starting to excel quickly um, is similar to yours. So when you look at the success that she has is now is unequivocally one of the top handful of American runners. Um, Do you gain any any insight from that? Any inspiration, motivation? Do you take anything from that at all, especially someone who's now like had a pretty serious interaction with her as a runner? Yeah, I I mean, of course I do. Again, it, it, it kind of goes back to what I said earlier, that being young and running years, um, I, I don't think that that hurts people. If you haven't had the, the long, lengthy background of running, then that doesn't mean anything. I mean, if, uh, we talked about it earlier, that the talent is the genetics are a major factor. But if you've got that and you've got some work ethic, then not having a decade of, a, of um, an aerobic base is OK. You can get that in a a decently short time if you if you practice and put a whole bunch of miles in um i also want to say because i think sometimes it gets um not misunderstood but i could have been great in high school probably uh i i had again i have the talent and the genetics um i just i, I was better than mediocre with absolutely no training. Um, I, I broke five minute pace. I, I broke five minutes in the mile in the eighth grade. Um, I never got too much better than that. I think I ran like 450 in, in high school, but that again was with no training at all and using a lot of drugs. Um, I don't want people to think that I just came at, I mean, I, I don't, want it to seem like I am the kind of person who is like, oh, you can come from nothing and come do this. I have my, both of my parents were marathoners. Um, I, I, I have an advantage in that aspect. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't know if that answered your question, but I just wanted to throw that out there because I don't want it to come off as like, oh, if, if I can go from couch to marathon, then, you know, anyone can. And of course anyone can. It, it it's, it's, if you work hard, you can get there. Um, but I've had it reasonably easier maybe than than some would because I've got the genetics and the talent. I really appreciate you saying this. And we talked about this offline. And I think this is an important thing because in the running community, it seems to be like a hallmark of some of the talking points that we see is like basically to diminish for people to diminish their own talent mm-hmm. when talking about their own performance. And you don't see that in other sports. And mm-hmm. you just it, it's never part of the conversation. In fact, it's almost like the opposite where you hear people talking about it. Right. And it's interesting to, to hear you say it because I really do appreciate it because like, of course, like you don't run a 216 marathon just because you work hard. Mm-hmm. Right. Because there's a lot right. of people that work hard, but they're just right. like, hey, like I'm killing myself to run eight minute pace over here. Uh-huh. <laughs> right? yeah. So it's yeah. like and that's and that's perfectly valid. And I mm-hmm. really appreciate you saying that because obviously working hard is absolutely part of it. And you work your absolute tail off. Like there's mm-hmm. no question about that. But at the same time, like you don't run a, fi- a sub five minute mile in eighth grade simply because you worked hard as a middle schooler, right? There's mm, certainly a right. genetic component here. And, and as we were talking about, like, of course, genetics plays a part in running. It plays a part in every sport, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. like you're not going to hear like some NBA player be like, I'm only here because I worked hard. I have no <laughs> genetic gifts. Like yeah. no NBA player has ever said that. You want to know why? Right. Cause it's not true. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. of course, why wouldn't it apply to running as well, right? It's yeah, like a, yeah. it's a it's a primary aspect of literally every other sport. Right. So of course it applies in running. Mm-hmm. 
So I appreciate you saying that because, again, I think that there is a and I'm going to write an article about this, this component of like, hey, there's some there's a, there's people that I look up to as runners and as athletes and as people who will say and I kind of push back on it and like in, inside I haven't vocalized this before of like, hey, I'm only here because I work hard. I'm not talented as a runner. It's like. Mm-hmm. You're one of the best masters runners in the world. Like, yeah, you can't, you can't, you can't say that. Like that's, right, that's, right. that's objectively not true. And also it kind of puts down other people who are like, wait, that's the only reason I'm not as fast as you. Like, and oh, I thought I was what, working hard. Exactly. And that's what I don't want. Um, I think you, you track your progress based off of yourself um, and your improvement based off of yourself compared to yourself. And that's how you, you can, you can measure yourself. Um, I, I wouldn't, I don't, compare myself to others um i think it's unhealthy because of course there will always be someone better there will always be someone better looking there will always be someone richer you know there's it's just if i'm better than i was last week then it's a win um that's how i try and look at it i love it and it reminds me of like someone who you're associated with really well is uh you're associated with really well that sentence doesn't even make any sense someone that you are associated (laughs) with um who actually shares the same coach is um nick bear Right. Yeah, so someone from, yeah. from Bear Performance Nutrition. I think uh-huh. he talks about this all the time, right? A very high performing, high achieving guy who uh-huh. seems to go out of his way to not only work hard, but also be like open and honest about what he's yeah. trying to do. And kind of like, this is what other people are doing. That's great. But I'm also going to try to do my best. And it seems uh-huh. like, a, um, well, maybe it's just what's, what's down there in Austin, but it does seem like there's some parallels there. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely there are. And I'll tell you what, that guy is tough. He's the toughest person I know. <laughs> and uh, I, I'll, he of course has some some um talent he has the talent and some and the genetic aspect of it but man he can work hard he will work he will outwork anybody um i get a lot of inspiration from him because to wit to you know to um prioritize uh his goals and his you know he goes from the second he wakes up in the morning till late at night when he goes to sleep he is constantly working towards bettering himself his company his family i mean he is just his work ethic is is unbelievable and i think it's um probably he's probably one of the most inspiring people that i know the energy level something that this is what i was going to ask you about him as someone who knows him Uh is the energy level is the part that like oh my god like Mm -hmm. again i don't know if this is like just what's coming across in all these YouTube videos or like, I'm sure it's real, but it's like, no, it's yeah. hard to imagine someone who like, for me, like I, I run a lot. I run mm-hmm. my own business and I look at what he's doing. I'm like, I'm not doing any of this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's I'm a like, whole nother level. Like, I'm like, forget JV. I'm like on the freshman team and he's on the varsity and like in every level yeah. that we do the same stuff. I'm like, yeah, this yeah. is ridiculous. Oh, me too. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, all right. So uh... before we get going, I do want to say, um, are you planning on running a marathon before the trials? Um, it's, it's in discussion currently. I'm, I'm thinking either Chicago or Berlin. Um, yeah, I can imagine I was talking to someone else about this. I think it was on the road to the trials podcast uh, mm-hmm. a couple days ago that it seems like we're going to see an absolutely enormous contingent at Chicago mm-hmm. because well, it's like, it's flat, it's fast, it's, it's hot. It's like, it's going to be very similar to Orlando in that sense. Uh-huh. And then in addition, it's like the perfect timing Right. pre-Orlando from how many months out it is. I just feel like we're going to see like, it basically is going to be like the entire like Olympic uh-huh. trials marathon, like pre like prelim, I guess. Like it just mm-hmm. feels like everyone's going to be there. Yeah. I, uh, it, it is such a great race. That's my favorite race. Chicago marathon is, oh, is wow. so great. 
It really is. Yeah, um, that one's going to be a fantastic viewing experience because I just feel like we're going to see like 90% of the leaders. So it's like, yeah. like you, you were at Houston in 2020, like uh-huh. almost all of the contenders were running the half. Yeah, Remember that? Because yeah, yeah, it was, it was six were. weeks out from Atlanta. It was felt like, I felt like, all right, whoever's going to win the half might win the trials. Like yeah. this might be like the, the best way of looking at it. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's exactly what it was like. And that was a cool race to watch. For sure. All right. Mitch, thank you so much for coming on the yeah. show. Congratulations on achieving a, a huge personal and professional goal. It's absolutely fantastic. And, and thanks for coming on to be your, your, your open and honest self like you always are. Sure. Thank you so much for having me back. I, uh, I love your podcast. Um, Matt, you're an awesome person. Um, thanks so much. <laughs>